Hello, critical thinkers. Welcome to this episode of the Healthy and Awake podcast, where today we're talking about women's health. I bet you weren't expecting that one uh, from, from a male board-certified health coach. So why am I talking about this one? Well, besides the fact that it's, uh, what is it, Women's History Month or women, Women's Month, one of those. Uh, this is more about, you know, I have women in my life who I care about. And in many ways, I see an attack on their health. And ahead, I'm not going to be sharing information about finding your divine feminine spirit. That's certainly not what this episode is about. But uh, I do want to talk about some of the potential health concerns that women might want to consider. And my purpose here is not to uh, mansplain, not at all, but rather to empower women to make more informed decisions about their health. And I guess without further ado, let's get into it. So a few housekeeping things. I'm still trying to figure out the sound. When I when I clean up the voice audio for this episode, the intro audio is coming out weird for some reason. Uh, another thing is you may have noticed the episode topics vary between healthy and awake, like the name indicates. Some of them, like the brain enhancement, the brain performance, mental performance, those are definitely more on the health side of things, whereas uh last episode with fifth generation warfare is more on the awake side of things but i always try to keep it uh a little bit close to the middle even if it is a little more leaned towards one side um i'll admit there have been some instances where i've had to cut things out of certain episodes which really pains me because i am anti-censorship and i'm not trying to hide certain ideas from you but i do want you to understand i ask that you understand um, that I have to be very careful and strategic for a few different reasons. Uh, there are a lot of controversial topics that I would like to talk about. And quite honestly, for the past few years, I have been talking about them. But I've realized over time that for certain truths or realities, that it's kind of like health coaching, where if I have a client and they're, they're coming to me for some health goals. They want to just lose 10 pounds. They want to start easy. And I go, great, let's lose 10 pounds. And let's also run a marathon. And you're going to learn Olympic weightlifting. And, you know, so there's a, a, a pace that needs to be had, a process. And so although there's a lot that I have to say, I'm trying to be careful and strategic with my pace. And I also have a membership coming uh, soon as well, where I can be less concerned about some of the things that I say, uh, but more on that as well. And sometimes I, I come across not exactly the way that I want to. I'm from Philadelphia, okay? So sometimes I might seem like I have an attitude and uh, I don't want to come across in any kind of mean or harsh way. I know sometimes I do come across that way, or sometimes I can be misinterpreted because I get very um, worked up and and uh, I'm passionate about these ideas. So this podcast has really, I've learned a lot about myself and, and how I can improve my communication. So 
that's all the housekeeping stuff. I just wanted to get that out of the way. But now on to the main point of of this podcast, women's health. I, I have a lot to cover. Uh, uh, how women aren't fairly represented in scientific research, uh, some pharmaceutical health concerns, uh, some psychological health concerns, mental health. And I think those are the big ones. And then so between there, I have all kinds of details and, and bullet points. No clips today, no clips. Uh, but if you look at scientific data and the research and the literature, Historically, women have been excluded. And I actually was just talking uh, while this came up in a podcast I was guesting on with my friend, Laura Timbrook, her health coaching podcast. And uh, I'm glad she mentioned it because I, I wrote it down to include in this episode. And I guess the concerns, you know, from what I read, the concerns are uh, about reproductive health and the potential impact of hormonal fluctuations on study outcomes. So uh, just the way that scientific research is conducted, it tends to be men. And that's a problem because when you have scientific studies, there are certain rules for generalizations about the research. So if I do a study looking for the results of a certain pharmaceutical and all the participants were male, well, then I can't really generalize beyond that studied population. I can't go, well, uh, you know, the, the results of this study showed X, Y, and Z, and so therefore this can apply to men and women. Well, maybe it can apply to men and women, just, just men as far as we can tell because the women weren't studied in this particular hypothetical scenario. And this is very common. And I know Nowadays, the idea of biological differences between men and women is a controversial topic, but from a scientific perspective, these are important considerations when you look at something like pharmaceuticals or health behaviors, um, because there is, uh, at least on a scientific, uh, scientific and not political level, there is a difference. And so it's important to talk about these things because women are not fairly represented in the scientific research. And that can have a lot of implications. It depends on the context of what the study is, of course. But I, I guess what is needed here is more fair and accurate representation. Um, not only actual studies uh, on uh, you know, a greater population of women, but also I think we have to be more careful with our interpretations of science so we don't generalize in areas where it isn't exactly applicable and that might require us to be a little more careful with the headlines that we read because sometimes the publications don't get this exactly right i mean they they like sensational headlines so we have to be vigilant but beyond that what else? I mentioned some pharmaceutical implications in, in women's health. Birth control is a big one. And I know there are some positives to birth control and um, it's, it's caused a lot of cultural changes that are to women's advantage in many way. And that's all well and good. I, I'm not exactly here to talk about that. And, I'm, and this shouldn't be interpreted as some kind of criticism of birth control either. I'm just here to talk about the harms, as the title of this episode indicates. 
So please understand, I don't want to appear biased in any way. I, I am trying to be objective in my approach in talking about side effects and things like that. And part of where this comes from is from a book that I read called Beyond the Pill by Dr. Jolene Brighton. And it's um, eye-opening because this is obviously something that is very widely culturally and socially accepted, uh, uh, an oral contraceptive pill to be more precise. And because it is so widely accepted, we don't often consider the harms. And when I say we, I mean really the women, because uh, this isn't something I have to think about, but I, I do think about health and the people that I care about. And so when this is something that could impact health, then I'm concerned. And so this is used beyond just for controlling birth. It is also common to have off-label use for what seems to me often trivial reasons. I mean, that's just my understanding, um, like acne or something. When, when girls are going through hormonal changes, acne happens, and I guess they try to squash that response with oral contraceptives. I don't know. Um, you might know better than I do. Uh, but the book, Beyond the Pill, is really powerful because not only does it discuss some of the risks and side effects of taking oral contraceptives, uh, but also long-term, um, as well as offering a natural protocol for getting off of birth control and offers stories and all kinds of useful information. Because we know that birth control can have side effects, like mood changes, digestive problems, decreased libido, and even long-term side effects on health, such as increased risk of blood clots, stroke, and breast cancer. And if you were at all skeptical about those claims, I would encourage you to check the pamphlet in your birth control box if you take it, or you can even ask somebody who does. The pamphlet is very long. It's like a it's like the size of a big poster with tiny little letters so they can fit it all on there. And you'll see I often in bold black box warnings indicating uh, well they have black box warnings but in bold it'll have letters indicating you know risk for cardiovascular disease and stroke and to not mix it with certain medications and sometimes doctors overlook mixing medications and if you smoke cigarettes and you take birth control your risk of cardiovascular complications goes up by some ridiculous number so these things i'm not saying you should or should not take birth control but i do believe in informed decision making so even further uh, people who stop using hormonal birth control may experience symptoms like acne irregular periods and difficulty conceiving which Dr. Brighton in the book refers to as post-birth control syndrome, which, to be clear, is not something you might find in a, a medical paper. This is, I believe, her terminology for an identified syndrome of uh, health issues that happen and are common in women who stop taking birth control, especially those who've been taking it for an extended period of time. So with all that being said, it is important for women to be careful and talk to their doctor and 
uh, be careful about the doctor you talk to, too, because many of them have no idea. They don't give any of these warnings when they prescribe some of these drugs. And uh, I know from not personal experience, but I guess indirect experience that uh, with insurance changes and and pharmacy changes or, or, or certain other issues, uh, sometimes these prescriptions will get cycled and changed even month to month. One month, a girl can be on one birth control prescription and the next month it's something totally different. And that makes it hard to, well, accomplish a lot of things. But uh, the lack of consistency there can be more of a concern when you're trying to identify health issues that you might have, the cause of certain health issues that you might be experiencing. So if this is a topic that's of interest to you, consider checking out her book. I have a lot of sources in the show notes for today uh, because I know a lot of these claims can be maybe controversial or alarming and you might want to check things further yourself. So uh, as, as always, I try to be extra careful with my claims and back up my claims with sources. So feel free to check the show notes to find, uh, at least get you started if you are interested in these topics. So beyond her protocol that's offered in the book, there are, of course, alternative methods of birth control, uh, non-hormonal IUDs, condoms, fertility tracking methods. Uh, there's, uh, it's a lot to think about. It really depends on your priorities, I guess. Um, what else? Oh, this, this is interesting. This is also mentioned in the book as well as other research that uh, women who do take birth control, there's a few um, interesting implications. So the, the women who take it, because there's a change in the endocrine system, that is the system that regulates and produces your hormones. That's, that's huge. So as a result of those changes, whether it's temporary or long-term, there's a difference in attraction. And so it's common to see divorces in women who stop taking birth control. And the longer they have taken it, the more likely there is for divorce or some sort of uh, sexual or relationship issues when birth control uh, oral contraceptives are a factor uh, because it changes your brain and your endocrine system. And again, this is supported by the research. It does change your brain. And that's to be expected. If you do something for 10 years or something like that, uh, that, that alters your hormone function, it's going to change your brain, whether it's birth control or anything else. Uh, but also interestingly, those who stop taking birth control and uh, try to conceive, they often have trouble trying to conceive afterwards. But those who do have success sometimes end up with twins. There is a correlation between those who've stopped taking birth control and a higher likelihood of giving birth to twins. So just an interesting fact there. But uh, getting away from birth control and shifting to the, the harms of certain products that are targeted towards women, like makeup and, and feminine products. And this is focused mostly around makeup. This is not a concern for me. Um, but when I have to go gift shopping, if I want to buy uh, something for a woman or, or a girl that I care about, uh, in the past I've looked for makeup and I've been horrified at the options. There, there is almost no such thing as healthy options when it comes to makeup at all. The cosmetics industry is largely unregulated. 
which is, you know, possibly a cause for concern because the same is true of, of supplements. So that doesn't by itself mean anything like, you know, I don't think people should hear that and go, oh, we, we need regulation. That's the answer. It's, it's just a fact that's worth considering because there are definitely some good arguments against regulation too. Um, but part of those considerations involve, okay, well, it's unregulated. That means that I have to be a little more careful and, and scrutinize these products a little more carefully. Many common ingredients in cosmetics have been linked to health concerns like cancer, hormone disruption, and skin irritation. And we're talking about some of the chemicals I mentioned in my toxic exposure is killing you episode, which was maybe number eight. I don't remember. Uh, so some of the ingredients are uh, phthalates, parabens, heavy metals, and formaldehyde. Ask yourself, why might those ingredients be in your products, in your makeup? Don't we have regulatory agencies already that are supposed to look out for these things? And I know this isn't regulated, but we already know that these chemicals are harmful. Like, how the hell do these things end up in, in makeup? And we do know that in some instances where products are regulated or certain things are regulated, that sometimes these things still just end up there. Like the FDA does regulate certain over-the-counter products like bathroom products, like soaps, hand sanitizers. And we know that these ingredients often still end up in the products that we use. They will tell us how harmful they are and then they'll go, whoops, we put them in there consistently for years, knowingly. Look at the lawsuits. Look at the talc lawsuits from Johnson & Johnson in baby products. Should we trust these companies to look after our health? Because these chemicals, like I said, can cause cancer, hormone disruption, skin irritation. They can implicate thyroid function, endocrine function. So when we consider all these mystery health illnesses that we just don't quite know the cause of yet, we often fail to consider these toxic chemicals that nobody talks about that we know are in the products. We know they shouldn't be in the products. We know they're harmful and they end up in there anyway. Things did not always used to be like this. And these are, of course, uh, feminine or woman-oriented products. Men have their own products to worry about, and I touched on some of that in that toxic exposure episode. Um, but, you know, women are, are uniquely targeted in a certain way because they're very creative with their marketing, these companies. And some people might be more susceptible than others to these harms due to their genetics or the environment in which they spend the most time or other factors. And um, so not only the makeup, but a lot of those bathroom products, the sprays, the creams, start looking at those ingredients. If you can't pronounce it, it's more likely that it's harmful. That doesn't mean automatically it's, it's harmful. But when you see numbers in there, when you see parabens, it's cause for concern. Now, there are natural and organic makeup uh, options natural and organic bathroom product options and other uh, feminine health product options uh, I've, I've read, but I haven't con confirmed for this episode. So this is one thing I didn't research. Uh, so there is no study for this next point in the show notes, but I've read that uh, 
tampons, uh, conventional ones have some sort of toxic chemical that for some girls can lead to toxic shock syndrome. Uh, that is what I've read. I want to be clear that I haven't confirmed that. If you have heard that too, please let me know. And as a matter of fact, if you know of any natural makeup options or if you have companies that you trust for natural or organic uh, products geared towards women, please let me know uh, because I would love, I wish I had those sorts of options to share within this episode, but I don't. The makeup is really, uh, I didn't look for this particular episode, but in the past when I've looked, natural makeup is very hard to find. And when you do find something that looks natural or organic, uh, they often use deceptive marketing and, and sometimes it could be the same or sometimes worse. Uh, because now that people think about these health considerations, a lot of marketing efforts go towards creating the illusion of health and safety when it is in fact not there. So again, if you do know of any of these companies that might be healthier alternatives, please let me know so I can share it with the community. And as we think about health products and beauty products, and, and you know, sometimes they create an environment to convince you that you need these beauty products when you don't. They, they try to play on your emotions and make you feel insecure and worthless. And, and women are beautiful, except the ugly ones. But I mean, that's a joke. Relax. Um, but it is not fair the way they target women and play on their emotions. And, and, you know, on that note, I made a joke there. I know some people might, hopefully not my audience, be easily offended. But to be clear, the show does use humor. Humor is an important part of me, my being, my messaging. Humor is healthy. They say laughter is the best medicine. So if uh, somebody is offended by the little jokes that I make here and there, please understand. Uh, I'm a good guy. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I just try to keep things light and fun. Uh, so please give me the benefit of the doubt as much as you can, because I never intend to hurt anyone's feelings. Uh, but I do appreciate an audience that is not mentally fragile and can handle jokes because that's what I'm all about. I, I'm not going to cater my messaging. And I say this with the utmost respect uh, and professionalism, but I am not going to cater my message to to people who are fragile and sensitive because I've built this business to you know, uh, for a certain mission and, uh, I'm not going to weaken my message. So I, I appreciate those who do have a sense of humor. Uh, but moving on here, there are some pregnancy considerations for women as we think about women's health. Uh, one that I found tons of research on is how prenatal fluoride is linked to a whole host of problems. So that is both maternal exposure to fluoride while she's pregnant, uh, as well as the exposure to already born babies uh, to fluoride. And the research is pretty clear that that fluoride exposure is linked to uh, lowered offspring weight and length, so smaller babies, lower IQ, as well as many other complications, developmental complications. So that one there is some sources for, and I just picked a few out of many. Uh, another or other concerns for pregnant women are the toxic chemicals 
that they might be exposed to that we've talked about some of them already. If you are pregnant and using tons of makeup or uh, even certain bathroom products or what have you, They're, they come from everywhere. Uh, if, if a woman is pregnant, those toxic chemicals, including microplastics, can end up in the baby's bloodstream, especially plastics. This is a big developmental concern because this could, I mean, this is the most crucial time for their development and their blood is, is contaminated with microplastics and other toxic chemicals that could permanently impact their endocrine function at the very least. And then shifting to something way more controversial is the administration of a, uh, well, I'll, I'll say it outright, the COVID vaccine is something that is being pushed to pregnant women. And this is kind of an unprecedented thing because for all of the human history, for the most part, it is usually, uh, caution is usually advised uh, to an extreme. Don't drink soda, don't smoke cigarettes, be extra careful with just about everything that you do. And if you are going to do something that might be questionable, make sure you really look into it. You have studies, you have sound reasoning and all that good stuff. And now they're, they're for some reason, pushing this vaccine on pregnant women with really almost no research. And the research that is there, which I listed one, is not good. There's no logical reasonable excuse for a pregnant woman to to do that in in my opinion of course talk to your doctor and and uh see what's right for you i hate that i even have to say that in this instance but that is the case and and there are other similar instances of uh similar concerns like gardasil is a hpv vaccine and the original version of that particular shot, there were hundreds of deaths and lawsuits. Again, I listed some sources. Many side effects from this. Many personal stories of harm from known people. I won't list them by name, but you're free to check that out for yourself. And they still push that. They claim they've improved it. Maybe they have. And they push it on boys as well. So, of course, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not trying to make decisions for you. I'm just pointing out concerns, valid, evidence-based concerns for you to use to make informed decision-making. And the last big point that I have here, uh, I believe this is the last one. Yeah, social media. So we covered some more of the physical harms. But what about psychological and social media is, is definitely a factor in that, leading to body dysmorphia and other kinds of disorders, narcissism. I feel like TikTok has ruined an entire generation of young minds. You look around and whether you're a, a, a male or female, people constantly fixated on attention and selfies and all that and i realize maybe some irony in, in having a camera pointed at me right now while i have my own podcast uh but social media is something that i actually have resisted for quite a while and uh, you'll never see me exactly take a, a selfie at, at least not to an excess i maybe take a, one selfie a year if that but there are some people who do this compulsively thanks to social media and they just don't know how to live their lives so maybe we'll do an episode on social media, which I know I covered in the previous fifth generation warfare, 
episode as social media being a, a, a domain of war. For real. But staying on topic here, social media for women's health can lead to eating disordered, uh, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, orthorexia, which is the the opposite of most of the common eating disorders. So most people would think of something like anorexia, eating not enough, bulimia, eating too much and then throwing it up, and uh, orthorexia is kind of the uh, extreme on the other end of the spectrum where they take health and eating healthy and fitness to a serious extreme. You could maybe say it's like fitness, health, OCD. And um, that can be a problem too, because there's definitely a culture, a toxic culture around this sort of thing that can push women to overdo it with exercise, which can cause hormonal problems. It can lead to some of those other eating issues, whether they're eating too little or, or throwing up. Uh, what else? It can lead to things like steroid use. I, I know some women who take performance-enhancing drugs that could, like, who knows the long-term implications of that, especially when you start to mix them or get them from questionable sources online, or maybe it's something new and we don't know the long-term side effects. So it's unfortunate, and, I, and men are targeted too, like the steroid culture and in men's fitness is abysmal. Oh my God, I, I have a lot to say about that at a later time. But it's a drug culture. It's dangerous and disgusting. It's completely tarnished the true essence of health, whether we're talking about men or women here, to, to push steroids and, and to use social pressure, peer pressure, to toxic like just create a toxic environment in in a place like gyms which are supposed to be a place where you create health but beyond all that on social media it's also created other mental health problems that are associated with like that narcissistic those narcissistic tendencies that i've mentioned earlier which if you open up tiktok if you open up instagram i mean it is just absolute filth on there it's like a, a digital mental disorder the twerking and and uh some of the uh the sexual comments that these women are making. And I might sound like some kind of cranky old man here, but, um, you know, I, I'm going to have maybe a daughter one day. I, I had, she's uh, deceased now, rest in peace, mom, but I, I had a mom. I have a sister. I have women I care about. And, and so when I see not only the, the physically, toxic assaults like the chemicals in these products but the mental assaults creating this disgusting culture of, of over sexualized promiscuity and of course this is just my opinion but it, it definitely makes it tougher for morality to thrive but what are your thoughts i'd love to hear it uh see what you think because maybe I do sound like a cranky old man. I don't know. Uh, but we know social media can create unrealistic beauty standards and promote harmful diet practices and exercise practices for, for all kinds of people. Uh, and, and, you know, it could be used for good. I'm trying to use these platforms for good myself. You know, I'm trying to counter some of those movements and speak up. And I would encourage you to speak up too. I know a lot of great health coaches who have a lot of great things to say and even people who've just had 
their own personal experiences. But watch out for those influencers, those celebrities, those gurus. And what else can we do? Just the same that I've been saying. I've noticed that I, I can be redundant sometimes and I'm working on that. But, you know, my message is pretty much the same. Critical thinking, skepticism, be aware, have mindfulness, challenge authority, ask a lot of questions, don't follow the crowd. And not in a psychopathic, contrarian way, but just, you know, the crowd can be misled. So just question the crowd. See what's influencing them. Be aware of influence. Be aware of the influence that other people are having on you. Be aware of the influence uh, that you might have on yourself. And be aware of the influence that you have on others. And men, if you're listening to this episode, we can help too by just caring enough to point these things out. Because men, well, a lot of men don't even care about their own health. I mean, that's extremely common. This this field of health at the moment is primarily a, a woman-dominated field. And uh, that's part of what's driving me to do this is because I see an opportunity to talk to the men who need to hear some of these things. Part of what got me into health in the first place is I saw these attacks on men and our health and really everybody. I mean, when you're putting shit in the water, that's an attack on everybody. So be aware, be vigilant, limit your social media, or at least be mindful enough to, uh, you know, look for certain messages and maybe even curate a specific environment for yourself that could include social media, uh, changing your social circle, all kinds of things. Self-compassion is important too. Maybe not be so hard on yourself. Maybe understand that social media is not the same as reality. Self-compassion, this idea of treating yourself the same way you would treat a friend that you care about. Very important. What else? I don't know. You tell me if there's anything I missed. If there's anything else you'd like to hear, please check out MikeVira.com. I have new stuff coming every day, new content coming every day. Uh, membership option is on the way soon, so you can have... Um, well, I won't say too much. I, I have some really cool surprises that I think you're going to like. It's really going to take uh, your life to the next level, really. Um, but more on that later. If you disagree with anything, please let me know. If you'd like to hear topics covered in future episodes, please let me know. At the very least, please like this video, share, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. But most importantly, stay healthy and stay awake.